Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin. I'm Amy Bird. I'm here with my two co-hosts, uh, Carl Truman, who is professor at Grove City College in Pennsylvania, and Todd Pruitt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And we're excited about our guests today. Um, we're going to interview Emily Zenos, who is part of the Ask Me First Minnesota Project. A returning guest. Yes, a return. I should. Uh, sorry. How yes, a that? returning yeah. guest. Um, Family Council, and then also Natasha Chart, board chair of the Women's Liberation Front, a.k.a. Wolf. Yeah. Both of them are part of Hands Across the Aisle. They're members of that. They've both spoken um, in a panel discussion this uh, October for the Heritage Foundation. Uh And today we want to talk to them about this fabulous resource guide that they've put out that you'll be able to download for free called um, Responding to the Transgender Issue, the Parent Resource Guide. How are you guys doing? Really good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, so the big question is, how does does a, a Roman Catholic, Emily... And a feminist, Natasha, how do you guys hook up uh, as friends and then as partners to put out this pamphlet together? How did you get together to do this work? You want me to go first, Natasha? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was um, 2016 when Hands Across the Aisle was founded, which is basically just a, you know, a, a, a rough networking sort of group that um, women have used to come together from across the political spectrum to discuss the issue of what we call gender identity ideology. We really don't agree on anything <laughs> except for this very specific narrow issue of, you know, basically this, this transgender problem that that's multiplying across many different institutions in our society. Um, and so Natasha and I met in that forum and I admire her intelligence and her courage in speaking out and her deep respect for women from all walks of life, no matter what their faith is or what their politics Mm -hmm. are. She's always been very, very respectful. So I'm really privileged to call her a friend at this point, and I always love to work with her. Oh, thanks, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to ask Natasha a question, um, because uh, our audience members will be people who uh, would probably, you know, disagree with you. You would disagree with them on on a whole variety of issues. However, how does someone um, with the Women's Liberation Front, how did this issue of uh, gender identity ideology, how did that become something that that you and others that uh, will be coming from from your side of the aisle, how did that become a source of concern for you when others that are on your side of the aisle would be probably angry with you for being concerned about this issue? Mm. Right. Well, uh, I'd say that it first became an issue of, I'd say, some concern to me uh, relative to how I feel about it mm-hmm. at present when I first started noticing on, uh, so I, I used to work for a publication called RH Reality Check, mm-hmm. 
I was their campaign and fundraising director. It's now called Rewire. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it, but mm-hmm. I started noticing on feminist social media that people were, and I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so okay. they make use of, you know, disfellowshipping, like, the whole organization, everybody will, like, shun you if you right. are, <laughs> you yep, know, yep. if you do wrong. Uh, I was disfellowshipped as a teenager, and I just started getting that vibe, that same feeling about it from feminist social media starting in 2014. Um, And then in 2015, I started noticing that a lot of that energy or this willingness to like disfellowship people from the collective. And I started using that term to myself when Mm. thinking about it, because that's what it looked like. That's what Mm. it felt like related to this insistence that trans women are women. And so you know, I started looking into this, you know, at first I I hadn't thought deeply about it. And I was just like, well, I guess, you know, I want to be nice. And I, you know, I don't want to be mean to anyone. I want to be polite. And this is, you know, supposed to be the new frontier of social justice. And then so I started reading about it a lot. You know, they say like, you know, listen to trans people and, you know, follow them online. And so I did. And I started seeing women get called horrible names over it. And Mm -hmm. I started seeing men you know, being very sexually aggressive towards lesbians mm. for saying that they weren't interested in men. I started seeing women told that talking about our bodies in any respect, even in healthcare mm-hmm. situations, was really offensive. <laughs> you know, it, it used to be that we would get told that like that was offensive because, you know, it was it was maybe obscene perhaps right. to talk about it but then it was like no it's because you're going to hurt these men's feelings mm-hmm. biology as bigotry yeah. yeah but they're women right. so they get to say <laughs> that you're hurting their feelings uh and then and then i got fired for criticizing it in 2015 goodness so <laughs> wow. so then i became very concerned about it indeed and i'm certainly aware that people are very angry with me yeah. for thinking that this is an issue of concern but it's impossible to clearly formulate any kind of concern for women without this interfering yeah. anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting seeing how Jermaine Greer, uh, who's, I haven't read many feminists, but I've read quite a lot of Jermaine Greer over the years, how she has been, uh, I forgot what the term is, but so effectively deplatformed mm-hmm. uh, at various yeah. places and has been subjected to pretty aggressive hate campaigns because of her, traditional position on you know a woman is a woman is somebody with traditional female biology and anatomy and it's odd to live in a time when Jermaine Greer is now being cast as a kind of crazy reaction (laughs) I grew up terrified of her because she was the radical feminist (laughs) now now she seems to be the face of reaction and that's very very strange when do you think the moment in the movement as a whole the feminist movement as a whole came about that that this division between the uh, the derogatory term turf, I know, is, is thrown about yeah. with, with remarkable casualness. But the, the, the division between those who reject uh, transgender women and, and, and those who wish to affirm them. When, when did that sort of come around, uh, Natasha? I, I think that, you know, it had been percolating for a while, but it, it started being impossible to ignore in the 2014 to 2015 okay. time frame. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the U.S., um, I can't necessarily speak to where else ever. 
But, um, you know, it was an interesting thing that Jermaine Greer was responding to someone talking about the harassment that they received as a trans person. And I like that they that someone had like, you know, stripped off their top and walked down the street and they were, you know, people said some things to them that were not nice. But she was like, you know, try walking down the street as an old woman. Yeah. I mean, you know, and just this complete I mean, even most people who would not consider themselves feminists by this point, you know, you recognize, yeah, women get harassed at work or they maybe get harassed down the street. But in feminism, this is almost impossible to talk about anymore without saying, oh, well, but men have it worse. Interesting. Yeah. As if being a man wearing unusual clothes is just categorically always you're always going to get more harassment. You're always going to get it worse. And it's actually been refreshing to talk with women like Emily and, you know, our other conservative colleagues and friends, because we can talk about this kind of thing. And I feel like, you know, it's not 20, 30 years ago or, you know, the stereotypes you might've had. I feel like Emily is more concerned about problems facing women and more woman centered in her activism and sphere of concern than a lot of women who proudly say, I'm a feminist, I'm a feminist, but they won't talk to me anymore because they refuse mm. to believe that human beings can change sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one right. of the things and that's it, confounded me is that the whole trans movement seems so bad for women. So it's been hard for me to understand why it's being championed by some in the feminist movement, because it seems manifestly bad for women. Oh, well, because they'll right. get fired if they criticize right. it. Right. I mean, that's why. Yeah. One thing that I think is is really unique and fascinating about this moment in feminism and in terms of the trans movement and how that's that's made this incursion into feminism and sort of taken it over is that there is this opportunity for women across the political spectrum to unite on the issues that unite them. Right. Which is the fact that we are all women. Right. Regardless of of what our perspectives are politically or in terms of our faith or what have you. And, And it's also really nice to use the actions that we take together to demonstrate that we aren't these sort of caricatures that we've made each other out to be. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, we've spent like at, at least my entire life, it seems conservatives and feminists not talking to one another Mm -hmm. and that kind of polarization or tribalism or whatever you want to call it has meant that we don't talk to one another we talk about one another and when we're talking about one another it's like we don't even know what we're talking about Mm -hmm. we're just using these caricatures Mm -hmm. to describe each other and so there's this this notion that on the on the right you know, we're just trying to uphold and protect these outdated, rigid sex stereotypes um, or that we have some sort of maniacal plan to sterilize kids who may at, as adults come out as gay or lesbian. And it's like, you know, once we start talking to one another, we realize okay, maybe that was just, maybe that was just sort of the boogeyman we'd created in our mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And and same goes for me talking to feminists. You know, I had this stereotype, they were going to be angry at me and there was going to be a lot of rancor in our discussions and that they would always want to bring it back to marriage or abortion. And no, no, that's not the case. Right. We have a lot in common. It's just that we've got to talk to one another instead of just about Mm -hmm. one another. Have you received much heat from your respective constituencies? Uh, obviously, it's for those of us 
not connected to the group. It's sort of odd to think of a radical feminist and a conservative Roman Catholic uh, being friends and, and talking like this. And you know, from my perspective, that it's great to see civility mm-hmm. still exists even yeah. within a highly polarized political right. world. I, I think that's a great thing. But you both belong to some fairly staunch constituencies. Mm-hmm. Have you have you had heat from from your own home crowds? on your involvement with each other? Well, I'll answer first because my answer is very, very, very brief. No, <laughs> no, I haven't at all. I've, I've honestly only received kudos from people who are just like both impressed and dumbfounded that I've found a way to connect with feminists and they yeah. think that's amazing. Hmm. So that's my answer. Now, now let's hear from Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we, we've, we've taken a lot of heat for it. Mm. Um, not just from the left, but from, you know, more generally, but from uh, radical feminists who also agree with us on gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But, I mean, we, we have support. It's a mix. It's not all one right. thing or the other. But the, the most incredible thing to me about this experience has been finding out how many things that I was very convinced that I knew for sure that weren't true mm. and that were just like, you know, belief in like political platforms and propaganda and, you know, people making statements that sound good on the campaign trail Mm -hmm. and taking those as literal truth. And then, you know, I hadn't really talked to many movement conservatives. Hmm. Yeah. As an adult, I'd been, you know, in liberal politics pretty much my whole life. And then talking to them, realizing like, yeah, maybe I was kind of paranoid and actually wrong about some (laughs) of that stuff. Maybe they don't actually hate me and, you know, want to <laughs> round us up and, you yeah. know, turn all the same sex attracted people back to mental institutions for electroshock. Yeah. Maybe yeah. nobody <laughs> wants to do that. Uh, Depends which part so, of the country you're living in, I think. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, yeah. always, there's always a few, you know, sure. woohoo kind yeah. of people oh, yeah. here oh, and yeah. there. Right. But like, that's just not, that's not even yeah. the sentiment, you know. I guess to sum it up, I feel like a lot of people on the left think that movement conservatives would by and large be out there agreeing with the Westboro Baptist Church if only they could get away with it. Uh, Yes. And it turns out that all the movement conservatives are like, oh, those people, you don't don't stand near us, you know? It's a real shame. It's been a huge relief. And we try to tell women who are concerned about this, who are still... I mean, because they're not talking to conservatives and they're listening to all this stuff. And it's just like they weren't the people we thought they were. It's OK. They don't they don't want to kidnap you and, and put you into conversion therapy. Let's talk about this great resource that you guys have put together. And, and let me tell you, I've I've got teenagers in public school. So I am very thankful for your work that you've done here. This is just an outstanding resource. And I love the way it's formatted. It, it's very easy to read, um, the way that you guys have the information laid out. And Amy, tell, them, tell everybody the title again of this resource. The title is Responding to the Transgender Issue Parent Resource Guide. We will put a link to it on the we web will, website definitely. so, so mm-hmm. listeners can get access to it. It's, it's such a great resource. And, you know, right from the beginning, you guys kind of have a, a fast facts health section, which I love that I love the title of that. And you are giving these statistics that right away are are waking us up to the situation. Um, let me just read a couple. 
One study showed that when a teen announces a transgender identity to their peer group, the number of friends who also became transgender identified was 3.5 per group. Wow. So there's this whole contagion issue that... Wow. Uh, It's about social recognition. Yeah. Up to 98% of children who struggle with their sex as a boy or a girl come to accept their sex by adulthood. Um, In just seven years, there's been a nearly 2,000% increase in children seeking treatment for sexual identity confusion in the United Kingdom. Um, After sex reassignment surgery, transgender identified people are nearly 20 times more likely to die from suicide than the general population. I mean, there's just tons of these on here. Well, not tons, but there's a good amount, a good number here. Then you, then you go and you define the term. So helpful. Um, so you're helping to inform parents. Um, Some form letters as well. Yes. To yes. help you communicate mm-hmm. in a gracious and firm way on these right. things. Right. And then you, you ask the frequently asked questions and then answer them, which I really appreciated as well. And so, but one thing I wanted to ask you, just kicking it off some, is what do you see here is feeding this trend, the transgender trend? Well, you know, there's so many different things that are, that are feeding this trend. But, you know, one of the big reasons I don't think we see a lot of, of resistance to it is that it's an ideology. So it exists outside of the ordinary. It exists outside of the concrete. It exists in this abstracted realm of theory. And so for the people who, I mean, I don't want to generalize about everyone who's a supporter of the movement, but, you know, imagine you're, you're young, you don't have a lot of life experience, you're single, you don't have kids of your own, you don't have perhaps a lot of life that has contradicted and demonstrated to you the consequences of these ideas that are mm-hmm. that are a part of gender identity ideology. So um, the reason that I wanted initially to put together a resource for parents was because parents cannot escape the ordinary, concrete, everyday realities mm-hmm. that come along with having children, right? Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of glasses of cold water in the face that we get as parents that that shake us out of some of these more ridiculous reality denying ideologies. So it it was my hope to take this segment of the population that would be most likely to reject some of these more absurd ideas, which I believe are parents, and to target it at one of the areas that the LGBT movement has most heavily invested in, which are public schools, especially um, at the younger grades. It's pretty easy to get away with a whole lot of stuff in high school because parents kind of check out at that point, unfortunately. But but with the with the lower grades, you know, the younger you get these kids indoctrinated, the, the more they're going to drink these ideas in. So, you know, for me, it was discovering, you know, what the consequences of this whole ideology are. On a previous podcast, I told you that at my kid's school four years ago, the board made the wrong choice and adopted something called the gender inclusion policy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, bad enough, right? I mean, that was bad enough, but it wasn't until I discovered the consequences, you know, that there are like 13-year-old girls who are undergoing double mastectomies Mm -hmm. so they can look like boys. And yet they can't get a rated R movie. Right, right. Or get their ears pierced or get a tattoo, Mm -hmm. any of that. Or that they're, you know, like 100% of the kids who are prescribed puberty blockers are going to go on to a drug regimen that will leave them permanently sterilized Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. It was realizing all of that that really woke me up. 
because mm-hmm. I can see, I can look in my children's faces, right? And imagine how unbelievably horrific that would be if this was an issue my family was facing personally. And I know that's that's the case for a lot of parents who have their kids in public schools. And the other reason I wanted to target parents at public schools is that public schools are for all families. <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't matter in this country what your religious or political convictions are. You know, the school is open to all, right? And so I feel like we can have maximum impact in focusing on an institution that is for for everyone. And that's why I think it's so important that we have supporting organizations like Women's Liberation Front on the Parent Resource Guide, Mm -hmm. in addition to a couple of apolitical organizations, the Kelsey Coalition, Parents of ROGD Kids, and then two organizations on the right, Heritage and Family Policy Alliance. We're demonstrating that, you know, we recognize this issue isn't uh, targeting one end of the political Mm -hmm. spectrum or another. This is targeting all kids. So we need something for all parents. And to speak to what you are saying about where this comes from, um, Mm -hmm. specifically, a lot of it comes from social media. And, you know, kids Mm. often socialize out of school on their phones, on their computers. You know, they're on these social media sites, especially Tumblr. Mm -hmm. It's a a huge source, which several detransitioners, including the young women from the Peak Resilience Project, and that's Peak, Mm P-I-Q-U-E, have mentioned as being a source of like groupthink and indoctrination into these ideas. Um, You know, the sort of social media cliques that form on Twitter. And just it gives them a sense of family outside Mm -hmm. of family at an age when they are trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, do that thing that all teenagers are supposed to do, which is you struggle to build your own identity away Mm -hmm. from your family. Yeah, You know, I mean, this is the job of adolescence and every generation has always gone through it. Mm -hmm. And now there's that male professor, Rachel McKinnon, who, who cheats in the women's cycling races. Yes, exactly. Your glitter family is out there waiting for you. He put out a mother's day video telling kids to, you know, if your parents don't absolutely accept you, we're your Twitter family. We're mm. waiting for you. Yeah. Like, mm. dude, are you going to put them up on your couch? Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously. And and mm-hmm. as teenagers, they don't really understand that, like, your family is going to be there for you 40 years from now right. when yeah. you're dealing with problems you can't even comprehend having mm. to face. You're not going to know any of these people that you're hanging around mm. with as a teenager and calling your family because yeah. you share the same reading habits. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The importance of community in these things I think, is significant. The idea cool. of recognition. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a way of being Having recognized people, and belonging. Getting attention. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the women's yeah. sports thing is, is critical. When I fronted a letter to the public school district where my kids went to mm-hmm. school in Philadelphia, uh, that was one of the things I focused on. That this mm-hmm. is this is bad news for women's sports. Yep. Oh, it kills yep. it. What 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 I was staggered by was that none of the parents seemed to get it. It was a kind of don't you see don't, what this is going to do yeah. to your daughters? Right. Uh, you know, I'm faculty advisor here for the women's rugby club. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, empowering women through rugby. <laughs> <laughs> no way would I ever allow no. the women in, in in the rugby team to take the field against a men's rugby team. They're going to mm-hmm. be killed. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's horrific to think of what this is doing mm-hmm. to to women's Sports. culture, mm-hmm. if I could put it that yep. way. It's it's just a tremendous. Yeah. But at the well, same, that, oh, that man Hannah Mouncey, uh, he goes by Hannah Mouncey in Australia, who was playing rugby with women for yes. a while, oh, and yes. he he broke a woman's leg. Yes, yeah. he did. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and you can break necks in rugby. I mean, people get yeah. paralyzed on the rugby field. It, it's totally irresponsible. Yeah. Mm. So. Right, right. Sports is one of those areas where the consequences of this ideology are undeniable. Right. right? I mean, there was just a Rasmussen poll that came out showing the vast majority of Americans understand that that women are put at a major disadvantage if they're forced to compete with men. It's just not fair because it's just too hard to deny the fact that men are bigger, faster, stronger Mm -hmm. uh, than women on average in every single sport. It's, It's just impossible to deny that. So that's why I think we have to capitalize on these areas yeah. in which the average person can right. see reality and, and won't be able to buy this like super abstracted theoretical idea exactly. that there's no difference between the sexes. Exactly. So sports are another area where, you know, I, I see good things happening across the world in terms of activism on that issue. Yeah. And I think it's only going to ramp up from yeah. here. Mm. That's one of the things that makes me optimistic on this issue. Mm-hmm. I think transgenderism takes on too many enemies it's yeah. going yeah. to make uh, <laughs> tragically a lot of kids are going to have their lives traumatized damaged destroyed in the process but and, i think 30 40 sides. years down the line exactly. we might look back on this in the same way that we look back on lobotomies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. a, a, as a sort yeah. of a horrible medical mm-hmm. experiment and, and be on the lookout, Carl, you and I have talked about this, be on the lookout for some serious class action lawsuits. Yeah, this is where, well, as soon as the, as soon years. as kids start suing their parents, mm-hmm. the doctors and the insurance companies who underwrote yep. it in 30, 40 years time, mm-hmm. then you'll see, you know, I, as you know, I did my historical training under a Marxist, follow the money, man, yeah. <laughs> follow the money. That's, that's where, that's where it all kind of comes down. And I think in this case, yeah, the money will sort yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting that sort of talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, have a, I have an interesting background myself. <laughs> I want to say two really quick things before we close up yeah. about this resource, just yeah. to let our listeners yeah. know. Um, as, as serious of an issue as this is, I really love the compassion that you have in the pamphlet. Um, you uphold treating transgender people with dignity and, you know, get into how we can do that and those who suffer from gender dysphoria. And also, um, you know, for the listeners, just to let you know that they talk about what rights that we have as parents and as mm. students in these situations. And I think that's one thing that we yeah. really, really need to hear and, and to know and, are, you know, are yeah. going to need. So, and, and Amy, let me just I'm sorry, but I do want to make sure to just underline what you just said, because, um, you know, we're Christians, our audience are, are Christians, and one of the things that we say we believe is that all people, no matter how much we disagree with them, mm-hmm. are made in the image of God yeah. and have an inherent dignity because of that. Even folks that we believe are terribly confused about something mm-hmm. and, and are wrong on things, a professing Christian doesn't have the luxury to treat that person that we disagree with in any way that, that uh, other than with dignity we can gently try to change their mind but but we at the end of the day we treat them These with are dignity hurting people too because, they're lost they're right, hurting because they're still made in the image of god and so to you know again to all of our our christian listeners remember the command to love your neighbor as yourself absolutely these are hurting souls and we want to minister to them and we want to see them come to wholeness but they're made in the image of god yeah right and to build on your words todd you know my motivation 
for the parent resource guide is is so that schools can create policies and practices that will protect trans identified yeah. students mm-hmm. honest to goodness you know yes it's it's about your kid and my kid and the kids who don't have anything to do with this whole ideology Mm. but really the kids who are being hurt the most the kids who are going to pay the highest price are the kids who identify as trans so the parent resource Mm -hmm. guide is for those kids Mm. yep that that's our primary audience that's good and definitely the idea is you know give people enough information so that when these activists who are prepared with all of these very slick talking points come at you that you don't feel confused about what's going on and nobody nobody panics because that's never helpful. You know, you have those situations where people, you know, it'll be a news story with their social media posts. Oh, mm. so-and-so made a threat or so-and-so yes. started mm. calling this kid an it. You know, there doesn't need to be any of that. Right. Just yeah. like stand calm in the knowledge that these are still just boys and girls like they always have been. Hmm. They're troubled teenagers. Yeah. Like, you know, we've always had troubled teenagers with yeah. us and just don't panic right that's good yep well as i wrap up here i want to thank uh, emily and natasha for being on the program and to say to our listeners not only do emily and and natasha embody something important relative to what's been described as the transgender moment but i think at a as we head into an election year Mm -hmm. and uh you know i'm not an american but i lived in america now for nearly 20 years at a time when american society is in the civil civic realm perhaps more polarized and uh, antagonistic than at any other point in in living memory since the vietnam war mm-hmm. um emily and natasha embody something that i think is much to be desired mm-hmm. yep. in coming yep. days and that is civil fruitful interaction mm-hmm. and co-belligerence on on issues that transcend party politics mm-hmm. and ideology uh, religious conviction and, and and go to the heart of what it means to be a good and flourishing society. So I'd like to thank you both for modeling that for the rest of us. Thank you for being on the program today. Ask our listeners to go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, where you will find a link to the parent resource guide. Do encourage uh, you to download that, familiarize yourself with its content. Uh, If you're not finding it an issue in your school district now, you probably will within the next five or ten years. It's well worth being, as as Natasha said, being well prepared for what is, is coming. While you're on our webpage, please remember that we're a, a viewer-supported podcast. If you feel led to make a contribution, please use the uh, the button there to do so. And in the meantime, it simply remains for me to thank you all for being with us and to look forward to being with you next time. Let's go, girls. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. 
And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about many of the theologians, certainly of the last 50 years, and even of the last 150, 200 years, that we might admire on other issues. for articulating doctrines of God that were not entirely consistent with what the church had believed, really, for hundreds of years. That interview is next time. Join us then. Well, you are listening to Mortification of Spin. So glad that you joined us today. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Amy Bird and Carl Truman. Of course, as we know, Amy around these parts, she is the uh, Yoko Ono of Mortification of Spin. That is class. True class. And- that's all I have to say to that. We, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say that Carl Truman made me do that. Amy Bird has some laugh. I, I mean, will get you back tomorrow. I did not want to do that, but Carl made me. Lord, the co-host you gave me <laughs> told me, compare uh, Amy to Yoko Ono, and therefore I did.